Hello and welcome to another episode of Tales, Tales of the, the Uncharted, Uncharted Territories. Territories. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And we're reading another smashing fanfic this day, this time. Uh, I, I went and looked for, for something more fun, which is kind of difficult because I only do sort of skimming because I want it to be a surprise when I'm yes. reading it as well. But I think I found one that uh, uh, combines some of my interests. It's called In the Company of Women uh, by Rhonda Udaly. Udaly, 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 oh, whatever. Like, apologies. You can we, go. You can go anywhere with a name like that. It's a, it's an unfamiliar name to us. Our apologies, Rhonda. But yeah, it's it sort of appeals to me because I've recently, I think recently, who knows how these episodes eventually wind up coming out. I sort of wanted more like girl time and more yes. sort of relationships and, and 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 missions for the women of Farscape. And I have the idea that this is that. I mean, it's what? one of the rare ones that we've seen, which doesn't have a lot of preamble. Yes, absolutely none. Right? No, no, no disclaimers, dis- no nothing. No Don't read, read before that. It was published on June 11th, 2001. Ah, so that would have been early season three. Am I getting that right? Ooh, I think so. Season of death. Oh, oh, wait. No, actually, that might have still been during the hiatus. Oh, well, we'll see when we find out what the, what the crew's like. So, In the Company of Women by Rhonda Udaly. Commander John Crichton thought he'd seen it all by now. He was the only human on a living ship crewed by fugitives from five different worlds. All right, five, so that's uh, Hyneria, Nibari, uh, Luxa, I mean... Wherever Zahn's from. Delvia? Delvia, yeah, Delvia. Delvia. And... Uh, Erp. Yeah, because Erin's not from a world, is she? Well, no, there's that, yeah, she's from... Yeah, okay, she's, she's not. She's from a from a command carrier. Yeah, exactly. She was born on a command carrier. Yeah. Pilots from a world, but they might not have known that at the time this was written. Oh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, no, they would have. The ship itself the way had. We, oh, no, we haven't had the way we weren't yet at this point. Yeah, so Rhonda would have would have seen that probably uh. in two thousand one. But look, the ship itself had just given birth to the oh. only Leviathan Peacekeeper hybrid right. ship in existence. So yes. they hadn't been through uh, the way we weren't yet. Mm, right. Yes. He was the only human to be hunted by psychotic aliens who took obsession and torture to all new heights. Oh, whoa. I wonder... Oh, okay. Uh, for a second, I thought that this must have been, like, just after uh, Moya had given birth. Mm. But, of course, the sort of... The menace that Kreis has towards John is immediately transferred to Scorpius. Like, both of them are yes. torturers and psychotic and, yeah. Yeah. That worked out very smooth. It was a very smooth transition. Yeah, it didn't even have to change the opening credits. No. <laughs> Heat scene creatures, that's you. Oh, sorry. Edit, 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 edit. I'm, I'm not seeing a page break here. It's just... Uh, see it? Yeah, the, the, the paragraphs are, right, yeah, uh, are some, not... Yeah, there's, there's no indentation, so it's a bit uh, tricky for that. Yes, edit, okay. edit, edit. He'd seen creatures of great beauty and integrity and creatures of stomach-churning ugliness and evil and every combination in between. John Crichton had seen the universe and survived. Nothing could surprise him now. I think that's still the same paragraph. It's going to be tricky. See what I mean? It's like, yeah, stupidly, uh, well, never mind. Poorly formatted for our kind of reading. Nothing could surprise him now. God and the universe had done their number on him. It was time he was given a break. He was about to be so wrong. Oh, this is interesting. Moya is picking up a commerce planet in the next system. Moya reported. I suppose it means pilots. We I'm should be pilots, pilot, yeah. yeah. We're changing course now. 
There was a minor swell of positive reaction from the crew of Moya. They all been cooped up on the Leviathan for too long, looking for a planet where Scorpius might not have saturated ah. every public place with wanted beacons. Oh, that's coming around again. Yeah. Uh, though, you really had to give him credit. He was much more doggedly and persistent than Kreis had been. <laughs> but at least Kreis had a legitimate, tangible reason to hate Moya's crew. Scorpius merely enjoyed inflicting pain and hated to lose. John almost wished to have the days of Christ back. Oh, careful what you wish for. Oh, yeah. That had to be the crackers and food cubes talking. Hmm. Moya's ragtag crew had been reduced to flavorless things ever since they succeeded in killing Traltics. It was time for some new food, fresh food, and soon, which was why Moya was already heading to the commerce planet. As soon as they were in range, Crichton and Sebastian Aronson, formerly an officer in the peacekeeping commandos, took a prowler and headed for the planet's surface. John's liberated peacekeeper uniform made it easy for them to blend into almost any society. Hmm. They were wrong. Just as soon as they stepped out of the ship, something felt wrong, at least to John. Then he noticed the stares they were getting as they walked through the marketplace. Aaron, we're drawing attention, John muttered. It's the uniform, Crichton. Learn to live with it. No, I don't think so. John Crichton was realising they weren't getting they weren't getting the stares. He was getting stares. His male ego was stroked for a moment until reality asserted itself. John wasn't getting stares because he was unbelievably handsome, but merely because he was male. Aaron? Yes, John? I think we've made a mistake. What are you talking about, Crichton? Aaron asked. I don't see anything wrong. Uh, You wouldn't. They're not looking at you like you're some sort of scientific curiosity. They paused at a market stall with appetizing smells. As Aaron was checking out their sources, the vendor, an interesting-looking woman with multiple facial and body piercing and purplish skin, leaned over the table. How much do you want for him? I beg your pardon? Ah, the side of grade A prime Kisba over there. How much? I still don't know what you're talking about. Uh, listen, honey, I like a little man-bit appetizers as much as the next gal, but it's not like you get attached to them. They're males. Use them and lose them. Disposable, you know. So how about it, honey? I'll give you top dollar for the stud fees alone. Stud fees? Oh, Ooh, wow. Top dollar for that. But, matter. but anyway, Aaron had a hard time following the woman's pitch at first, but understanding when it came... Hit, 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 uh, edit, edit, edit. But underst- Aaron had a time... Ha- okay, Aaron had a hard time following the woman's pitch at first, but understanding when it came hit clear and bright. You want to buy Crichton? If the price is right, oh yeah. Heron began to laugh. Fortunately, the male in question was examining a clothing stall just out of casual earshot. If he was aware of being ignored or avoided, he didn't show it. Aaron was glad he wasn't close enough to know he was being negotiated for. Do you really want to buy Crichton? Aaron asked again. You really named him? He must be pretty special. Yes, he is unique. Ah, and unique is always valuable. <laughs> Unique? How unique can he be? He's Sebastian, right? And aren't most males all pretty much hung the same? Don't they exist for one major function? Procreation? Well, okay, two major functions. Aaron lifted an (laughs) eyebrow. Indeed. John picked that moment to approach. Hey, Aaron, how's he coming? If we don't check in soon, the others will be here soon. The stallkeeper's eyes grew big. You let him speak, and in public... No, wait, that's wrong accent. Yeah, I was going for sort of I, a, I, I, an Australian yeah, prospect. You let him speak, and in public? There are others. Are they like him? No, I'm going doing John now again. Oh, well. <laughs> hey, how do you, how you do John. I'll stick okay. with the... I'll stick with the... Let, one. John asked incredulously. Let? 
Aaron doesn't let me speak. Oh, God, Christ's sake. <laughs> no, no, Aaron doesn't on. let me speak. I'm a free man. I do what I like. <laughs> the stallkeeper gasped in shock. <gasps> no man is free. <clears throat> Wait, I've lost it now. No man is free on Vergus. A man is not even allowed out on the streets without a female escort. To be found in public alone is legally actionable and punishable. Oh, John scoffed. <laughs> what would the consequences be? Death? Yes. Excuse me? Yes. Breaking the law can be punishable by death. For the man for breaking the law and for the woman for allowing him to break it. It's been so for generations. The storekeeper turned to Aaron. He is strong. You've allowed him to be educated. Allowed? John persisted angrily. Look, lady. Opinionated, too. The storekeeper looked him up and down, slowly, longingly, and with a significant pause in the vital area. <laughs> Her gaze lingered long enough for John to squirm uncomfortably. Well endowed, too. Oh, yeah, black leather will do that, won't yeah. it? My offer is still open if you want me to take it up, if you want to take me up on it. I'll be here all day. Think about it. Aaron agreed and pulled John away. He kept looking back and sputtering. Shut up, Crichton, Aaron hissed. We're going back to Moya. What? What was that all about? She was negotiating a price. For food? For you. John stopped abruptly, his shock expressed in a dropped jaw. <gasps> Excuse me? Aaron turned back. She offered me money for you, or just your services. You were pimping me? John Albert roared indignantly. Several female heads turned their way. Come on, you're drawing attention. I don't care. You're about to sell me. I wasn't about to sell you, Aaron said with a snort. Rent you, out. Rent you out a bit, perhaps, but sell? Never. You're, you're apparently a very valuable commodity on this planet. <laughs> Aaron's wit is savage. <laughs> yes. Is that all I am to you? A commodity? John demanded. On this planet? Yeah, Aaron said with a smug smile as she strutted towards the prowler. She turned a moment later. Come along, John. You're enjoying this way too much, John growled. Yes, I am. Come along, John, or I'll give you to that woman at the food stall. I would really love it if they're both having fun right now. I know that's not how it how it's played, but no. I would just really love it if the it's another one of those alien. Okay, yeah. This time I'm the this time I'm the the, the, the merchandise. Yeah. John followed the former peacekeeper meekly through the crowd, but he did it while muttering under his breath. This was not what he had in mind when he woke up this morning. But then lately he'd had a lot of days where things hadn't turned out the way he thought when he woke up. Why should this day be any different? The trip back to Moya was quiet, but for very different reasons. Aaron smugly flew the prowler back to the Leviathan. John sat behind her, sulking. They both knew it to be sulking, so there was no fun drawing attention to it. No. Chiana and Rigel waited for their return. They all but attacked the two as they came out of the prowler. So how was it? Did you bring back food? These were just the tip of the inane questions iceberg. Not this time, but we can go back... It was the only answer the other two received. Later, when everyone gathered in Moya's command centre, Aaron and John gave their reports from two very different perspectives. The rest of the crew, especially Dargo, were highly amused by the turn of events. John was not. Hey, man, you weren't there, he protested. They talked to me like I was meat. I've never felt so cheap before. Try being a peacekeeper prisoner for a few cycles, Rigel snorted. You get a whole new appreciation for cheap. Don't put that on me, Sparky, John warned dangerously. I was in Scorpius's chair. You weren't. I've paid my dues. So, what are we going to do? Zahn asked. Almost always the true peacekeeper. Ah. Or rather, more accurately, she was the peacemaker. We need supplies, and we don't have much in resources. 
Well, it seems pretty obvious to me, Gianna chimed in, that it's up to us girls to save the day. Why don't Erin and I... Rigel protested. The last time the two of you went on a spry run, we ended up with the crackers. Actually, John added, we all ended up going crackers, but that's beside the point. Then what is the point? Gianna demanded. Whoever goes back down to the planet to take Zahn. Some calm and reason in our negotiations. You flatter me, John. Mm, Just looking out for my best mm, interest, Blue. (laughs) John replied. <laughs> I don't know if I trust these other two not to sell my ass to the highest bidder. Aaron's already had an offer, and Chiana... What? What did I do? The woman in question asked innocently, and fooling no one. Don't get me started, darling. Aaron and I will go again in the morning, Zan said, before Chiana could bristle further. Did you at least bring back dinner? Rigel demanded. Sorry, Sparky. It's crackers and food cubes one more night. Rigel huffed in disgust. The next day... While Aaron and Zan planet-side, Moya and Pilot had the rest of the crew cleaning. Dargo grumbled almost as much as Rigel. Why do we have to do this? The Luxon warrior demanded. This is a job for the DRDs. The DRDs can't reach that high on the walls, Pilot responded. Besides, Moya is insistent. Hang on, we've had DRDs show up on shelves. I know. They, they can totally climb up the walls. They can just, like, you had the whole sort of Yosemite Sam cave with eyes yes. back in there. <laughs> They've got a secret. Understandable, John said, earning a glare from Dargo. Come on, think about it. Moya's just had her baby. I don't know of any woman of any species who doesn't go through a spurt right after childbirth where she wants to be beautiful again and get her figure back. Boo, Moya's always beautiful. Yeah. Moya's a ship. She doesn't have a figure, Dargo pointed out. Boo, she does. She's gorgeous. Uh, but she's female, probably feeling fat and ugly still. Boo. She just wants to feel pretty Boo. again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ronda. If that means scrubbing walls, <laughs> that means scrubbing walls. Hell yeah. If Moya wants a, 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 oh, what's it called? A treat yourself day. What's it called? Spa day. Yeah, exactly. Her, her, her loyal friends and allies should accommodate. Pilot, Dargo asked in his aspiration. What, don't believe me? Actually, Crichton is right, Pilot answered in amusement. Moya confirms most of the work is aesthetic. It makes her feel better. See, told ya. Dargo merely grunted his response. Later the prowl re- yeah. Later the prowler returned. Erin and Zahn were all but empty handed as they emerged. John was immediately suspicious. What did you do? he wanted to know. Where's the food? Rigel demanded. All these are scraps. Oh, that's still Rigel, isn't it? Still yeah. Rigel. Yeah, sorry. We have a slight problem, Aaron began. I knew it. We can get everything we need and some extra, but the person we're dealing with isn't interested in money. Here it comes, John muttered. What is she interested in? Dargo asked slowly. Novelty. Novelty? Rigel snorted. Then give over and have done. Can't you find someone else to deal with? John asked, mentally cursing Rigel's flippancy. This is... Okay, yeah. This is the head of the Merchants Association, John, Zahn explained. We deal with her or with no one. What kind of novelty? Dargo wanted to know. I was afraid to ask, Aaron replied. You, a peacekeeper, was afraid to ask? You weren't there, but she was awfully excited to know we had a Luxon warrior on board. Excited? How? John asked. Excited as in, wow, what a great business opportunity between cultures, or, oh goody, here's lunch. (laughs) 
Zan and Aaron found fascinating new aspects to their footwear. <laughs> John reacted, You see, you see, I told you they'd sell us to the highest bidder. We didn't sell you, John, Zan answered. Not really. The deal isn't final yet, and it's only for one night. Ooh, it's an indecent proposal. Oh. Funny, but I think that's what the Black Widow tells all her mates before she eats them. John exploded. Sorry, not gonna do it. Not gonna happen. I'll take one for the team, bud. Come on, Crichton. Be reasonable, Aaron began. Reasonable? Reasonable? John cried. You want me to be reasonable when you want to turn me into a whore? I don't think so. He turned to Dargo. You're being awfully quiet. Doesn't this bother you? Dargo shrugged. A warrior learns to do what needs to be done. Besides, it's been many, many cycles. John Crichton sputtered wordlessly a moment. I... Uh, uh, now, wait just a micron. Are you saying you're willing to go through with this? I don't know about you, Crichton, but I can't eat crackers and food cubes until Moya can find another suitable planet, John. I'm with Dargo, Rigel answered. <laughs> okay, yeah, he would be, wouldn't he? Yeah, of course. Okay, down you go. You just may be a Rigel, John replied. Novelty may not be pleasuring this woman. Did you think of that? And no offense to either one of you two, but I personally don't swing that way. I like girls. Cool. Wait, Novelty, maybe he's he's suspecting that they're being hired to get it on with one another. Oh, and perform, uh, perform right, oh right, yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. That particular line of thought clearly hadn't occurred to anyone else. <laughs> Dargo looked at him. A warrior does what needs to be done. Yeah, well, you're not doing me, pal. <laughs> with that, <laughs> Crichton turned on his heel and stormed off. Humans! Someone muttered. I'm sorry, I was trying to do all the, I noticed. All the Very voices good. at yes. once because nobody... <laughs> nobody uh, uh, owned up to say, trying to say that. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea who... Uh, You're going to have to do the same yeah, thing. Someone better go talk to him or we're never getting out of here. <laughs> they all looked at each other and then at the ceiling. <laughs> Poison? <laughs> Okay. This, this is, is so in, this is inane. <laughs> After what seemed like hours of cajoling and talking, arguing and persuading, John finally rejoined the rest of the crew. He was sullen and beaten. All right, all right, I'll go. But if it's weird, kinky stuff, I'm staying. Oh, no, he said, I'm out of here. Well, it was like, you shouldn't be wearing those leather pants. Then, but, I know. I mean, I know that leather pants are not consent, but still, you know. <laughs> An hour later, Aaron and Zahn delivered their end of the bargain to a huge home not far from the marketplace. In fact, it was on the top of the hill overlooking it. It was an impress. It it was impressive house. Mm. They were greeted. The men left off by an effeminate male, effeminate male. Aaron and Zahn were told to return in the morning. Dargo, John, and Rigel were deposited in a room full of odd costumes. Oh, now Rigel is around. Yeah. They looked at each other in chagrin. The male who'd brought him pointed to a cabinet. The mistress wishes you to wear these outfits in here. She will receive you shortly. Before any could pro question or protest, the little man was gone. There was nothing to do but open the cabinet. If John was half expecting, half fearing to see a closet full of leather and chains, he was sorely mistaken. Ah! When the door opened, they were met by a froth of pink tulle and netting. I think it should be tulle. Tulle. tulle yeah. yeah, tulle and netting. Sparkles danced in the light. Dargo reached in and pulled out a hangar. A I'm assuming that means <laughs> hanger, hanger, but... Yeah. A tutu, John exploded. She wants us to wear tutus? Ain't no way. For the good of Moya, Crichton, you will, Rigel warned. Remember. 
Right back at you, Sparky, John replied, digging in the closet and pulling out a much smaller hanger. They have one in your size. It was a bigger challenge to get into the tutus than it first appeared. Dargo's tentacles kept getting fouled with the feathers on the matching headdress. He had to keep tugging at the shoulder straps to keep them in place. I can't imagine that for a fancy lad like Dargo, this would be a problem. No. He spends hours every day just braiding his beard, or maybe just minutes. Maybe he's that good at it. This would be no problem. How do people wear these things, he growled. Women usually have anatomical help in holding the bodices. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that was the wrong moment. Women usually have anatomical help in holding the bodices up, John replied. Then he looked at the Luxon. Nice legs. Darko growled. I thought you didn't swing that way. But the large warrior tugged at the skirt, which didn't quite make it to the top of his knees. The result of which was to expose more chest. Great looks, guys. Yeah. I'm sure these are wonderful. John shrugged. Whoever this woman is, she's gonna love you. Look who's talking, Crichton, Dargo commented. What gorgon did you steal those pasty legs from? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Black that's... leather is not good for tanning. No, no. John glared at him. I happen to have very nice legs, thank you. Good on you, John. And it's not my fault I can't get a tan on Moya. There you go. It's just that this neck thing tickles. Hey, they should have left Traltics alive then if they wanted a tan. John fingered the feathered and sequined choker as he tried to blow one of the headdress feathers out of his eyes. At least his skirt came past his knees. Both men heard Rigel snickering. They turned on the former Hyperion, presumably Hynerian, Dominar... What are you laughing at, Shorty? John demanded. You look more like a trained poodle than the rest of us. Rigel huffed but couldn't really defend himself. One, he had no idea what a poodle was, trained or not. And two, he did look more ridiculous than the other two. The small sovereign on his float resembled little more than a pink, sparkling, befeathered cloud. I'm sure that that was once the height of fashion on on Hyneria, and it will be again. John fought a shudder when they were presented to the lady of the house. Oh, yes, I did, I did. But they were ready when they were called before the mistress of the house. So, astronaut, warrior and king. Oh, I like that summary. Mm. Although it does make them sound like a spin-off of the village people. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure it's going to go that way pretty soon. Hell yes! (laughs) Gathered the shreds of their dignity with the folds of their skirts and allowed their guide moving soundlessly in the pink... And followed their guide moving soundlessly in the pink satin ballet slippers. John fought a shudder when they were presented to the lady of the house. She was a very large woman lounging on the throne... Throne-like contraption similar to Rigel's floats, only much bigger. Her very needs were being attended to by scantily clad males of of several species. The parallels between this person and Jabba the Hutt made John search for trapdoors in the floor leading to a hunger-crazed monster pits. And seeing those similarities, (laughs) it wasn't hard for him to make the leap of seeing the very scantily clad young man attached to his mistress by an ornate collar and leash, as Han Solo rather than Princess Leia. I'm sure that Han Solo would have also looked great in the Hot Slayer outfit. Yeah. Okay, what am I going to do for him? I am Mistress Hune. You're mine for the evening. All of you. To do my bidding. To fulfill my every desire and fantasy. Hunai levered herself to her feet, something Jabba never did, and came towards them. She didn't spend much time on Rigel, but she inspected every centimetre, every nook and cranny of John Crichton. He fidgeted self-consciously. See anything you like, he added in nervous desperation. For a moment, there wasn't a reply until he heard something distinctly akin to purring. Uh, They say you're not Sebastian. No, I'm human. Homo homo sapien from a galaxy far, far away. Uh, Only look Sebastian. 
Honest mistake. Isn't it Homo sapiens sapiens? Homo sapiens sapiens, yeah, I think so. Yeah, right? A hand ran down his arm. John found himself wondering where the other, where the other hand was. You're one of kind? The only one of your species in this part of the universe? Yes. The word came out as a squeak. (laughs) He found out where the other hand was. He squirmed a bit. You want to find another place for your hand? Suddenly John jumped. Oh, not that one. (laughs) (laughs) You have spirit. I like that, Honai said. Within reason and in certain attributes. But I have limits. You would be well advised to take that into consideration. Now, you were brought here to entertain. Let the entertainment begin. The transport settled heavily when it returned to Moya. Chana fairly vibrated with impatience as she waited for the transport doors to open. The three men were the first to exit the ship. They blew past her without so much as a hello. Chana was way too curious to allow that to pass. (laughs) So she hurried down to stop them. She got them all to stop before they left the launch bay. So... What happened down there? Shanna demanded. <laughs> what did you have to do? We took a vow to never speak of it, Rigel stated pompously, and sailed on by in his float. I need a shower, John added under his breath. A long, hot shower. And sleep, Darko growled, hopefully without nightmares. Was it that bad? What did she do to you? Chan asked. The vow, Rigel <laughs> responded curtly. Sleep, added Dargo. Shower, finished John, for a month. Chiana watched the men stalk away. She resisted the urge to follow and demand a more acceptable explanation. She even let herself take a step after them. Her resolve was bolstered by Aaron demanding her assistance in offloading the transport's cargo. She joined the other two women to do her fair share. What's all this? Chiana asked. I thought we were just getting basic necessities. Yeah, well, Aaron replied. They were appreciative of what happened down there. Do either of you know what happened down there? She demanded. The guys won't talk. You'll find, Chiana, Zan replied serenely, that if someone doesn't wish to talk about something, there's generally a good reason. But don't you want... weren't you curious at all? We don't have time for curiosity right now, Aaron told her. These supplies won't unload themselves. Chiana shut up after that. She bent to the task until a little horror crystal fell out of one of the bundles. She picked it up and studied it intently. Hey guys, what do you suppose this is? Aaron and Zan didn't seem to be all that interested in it. Gianna secreted it on her person. Okay. Very quickly, I have learned that this is how you say it. Secreted, yes. Yeah, even it's though that like... Secreted and secreted are pronounced the same. And it's, and it's not secreted. Yes, yes. As a, because it's, the, it's still the same word and it just upsets me, but apparently that is how it's, <laughs> yeah. how it's supposed to go. Ugh. So Gianna secreted it on her person. <laughs> she had the strangest feeling it had something important on it. Maybe even about what happened on the planet. A couple of hours later, Chiana was finally alone in command. The supplies were unloaded and everyone else was in their quarters. She pulled out the holocrystal and slid it into the viewer. There's absolutely no way she would wait that long. That she would actually no. sort of do all the work, all the or chores first, uh, and then... Chiana, uh, a voice asked, What are you doing? It's a pilot. Oh. She, she jumped guiltily, <laughs> even though she was guilty of nothing. She looked around, finding herself still alone. Pilot, you scared me. Well, Chiana... She went back to the viewer. This crystal fell out of the supplies the men brought from back from Virgas. I thought it might be important, but no one else seems to care. But you do. Yes, I do, she answered a little defiantly, pushing the play command. You can watch it with me if you like. She settled back in her chair to watch the show. As the images unfolded, she sat up and watched more carefully. What the frill? She had the appearance of someone watching a horrible accident and not being able to look away. Pilot... 
Are you watching this? Mm, sadly, no. Moya has me working on one of her navigational subsystems. Why? Is it something of value? In the right hand? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gianna no. breathed pretty much to herself. She kept watching. Hey, blue girl, what you watching? John asked, suddenly appearing in the doorway to command. Chana jumped up, quickly slapping off the viewer. Uh, porn! She, <laughs> yeah. She wheeled in a defensive crouch. Crichton! Didn't know you then to sneak up on something like that? Johnny, what are you doing in there? Oh, um, uh, drugs. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez, what's gotten you so jumpy? He asked, heading over to her. Uh, nothing. Just don't like being snuck up on, she answered nervously. That's all. Yeah, John studied her suspiciously. You are a horrible liar, Chiana. Sometimes I don't understand how you survived so long. I uh, have my ways. I'll bet. John suddenly moved around Chiana. She made a half-hearted attempt to block him, but it was no use. He got around her and hit the play button on the viewer. The music came first, then the image registered. John went pale and slowly sank into a chair. She, she recorded, John muttered in shock and disbelief. Then, she tur- then he turned on Chiana with a murderous gleam in his eyes. She edged away from him. Where did you get this? How did you get this? For emphasis, he ripped the holocrystal out of the viewer and used it as a prop. Where did this come from? I found it, Crichton, Chiana squeaked quickly. Honest, it fell out of one of your supply bundles, I promise. Erin and Zahn were there. They saw it. Did they know what's on this? He demanded. No, they didn't care. I, I waited until we were done to see what it was. I, I-, I had no idea. Good. Then the subject is closed, John told her, waving a warning finger under her nose. Got it? Whatever you say, Crichton, she agreed earnestly. The human astronaut was nearly out of the room before Chiana stopped him. He turned back slowly. What? Before we close this issue for good, can I ask a question? Okay. What exactly is a teapot and why should it be short and stout? (laughs) John's outrage reverberated down several of Moya's corridors. Moya broke orbit the next day. Her crew sat around the table in command, a small feast laid out on the table. After many long days of privation, the crew was treating themselves to a bit of a party. I've got to hand it to you, fellas, Aaron said around a large mouthful. You really came through for us. And don't you forget it, John replied, saluting her with a glass. Though we'll try. (laughs) You can say that again, Dargo muttered. You never told us, John began. You're right, and we never will, Rigel interrupted. Margo? Zahn turned back to the Luxon. Let's just say there are some horrors which haunt even the most seasoned warrior in his nightmares. This was one of them. So, ladies, John added quickly, eat, drink, and be merry, for we will never do that again. Aaron turned to Chiana. Didn't you find a hollow crystal? What was on it? Chiana tried not to throw a frightened look towards John. No, nothing. It was blank. Must have fallen in the bundle by mistake. As if she'd as yeah. if she'd be afraid of yeah. John, when she can always just hide behind Aaron. Like yeah. she knows how to play the angles. Aaron and Zan exchanged looks. Are we going to accept that? We'll have to, Zan replied. At least whatever occurred didn't spoil them for the company of women. That would have been awkward. No, John answered. It did come close, but this is a company of women we'll keep. Everyone, Moya's ready to starburst. Prepare yourselves. As Moya's crew braced for the spatial shift, the mystery of Virgus was left well behind them. (laughs) 
Thank you, okay. Rhonda Udeley. Oh. That was indeed a much more lighthearted story, although it did touch on a few delicate it subjects. Did. Yeah, it was. I mean, c- continuing the proper Farscape tradition of upending some gender norms, but also, I mean, I kept, I kept thinking back to like early seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation and mm-hmm. how how Riker was presented as this really like broad-minded and like well-rounded stud slut like the, <laughs> yes. you know there was there was this ooh ladies are in charge planet at yeah. one point where he was where he was paraded off and like he had to dress in the in the local garb which was a very deep v-neck oh yes i remember that one yes and the girls come around to sort of taunt him and he is untauntable because he looks great and he really likes it oh yeah this is nothing on this other planet i had to wear feathers yeah I mean, I've had, like, I've read it somewhere, like, Riker's kink is consent. That's oh, yeah, Riker's I think that's the, the, the whole, like, The Greatest Generation <laughs> yeah. podcast is all about that. He's just, it's 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 his thing. And I would like to see that. I, I kind of like that that was uh, Dargo's attitude as well yeah. for most of this. I have no idea what they were what they were made to do. I do hope that they had the option to decline, obviously. Well, there was a little teapot. Yeah, a they short and stout little, little teapot. I guess they were meant to, were made to put on a varieté or something. Oh yeah, yeah. That is the. I mean, it is the the the, the oldest form of comedy in Britain, which is a bloke in, in a, a dress. dress. Yes. <laughs> anyway, well, anyway. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Tales of the, the Uncharted, Uncharted Territories. Territories. We're diving back into Farscape next week, and after that, well, I'm going to continue my hunt. For a story that's just got girl time in it and the, the, the women going on a mission, because this time it was still about the boys. True, true, uh, true. We'll, we'll get there one of these days. Thank you for joining us. Lovely as always. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. Bye-bye. Zwei, zwei.